Welcome, everybody. This is Anthony Capazzoli with the Price Fighter e-commerce connected podcast. And I have with me two really, really smart, cool, awesome people. Part of Sales Team 6, which I am proud to be a part of. I have Jack, Gail, and Romina. I'm going to let you pronounce your own last name. <laughs> Zaman for We can go without it. How about it? Just go with Romina Z. Let's yeah. Romina Z is a lot better. I love it. So the reason that we're here today is Sales Team 6, Jack, Romina, and I have reached out to our prospects. And so, but stay with us. This is not a sales pitch. This is not a sales call. That's nothing of the sort. But we reached out and let everyone know that Amazon had a really big announcement, which we'll get to in a second. And it was such a big announcement that we did a Map Minute Monday video about it. Tremendous traction. A lot of feedback, a lot of great questions. So we reached out and offer everyone to join a roundtable to have a more meaningful, deeper dive discussion around specific questions on Amazon's announcement. The announcement was the opening of the details or the Amazon wall protecting the contact information for the three-piece sellers. They've opened that up. So the questions we asked are what do people want to know about that? Because there are some things they should be aware of strategically speaking to take advantage of this in the right way be prepared for the information that you're going to get and some other moving parts. So we went out and we asked everyone via email what they'd like to know. We got hundreds of questions back. So what we've done is condensed them down into some key core questions. And we're going to answer those questions on the podcast because it was the easiest way to distribute this information effectively and efficiently. Let everyone listening listen to this in their cars, on their walks, on their treadmills, wherever you're going to consume it. We're always available before we dive in here. Let's go with you can email us at mapminute at pricebiter.com. That's the easiest catch-all email address. It'll come to all three of us for any follow-up questions uh, pertaining to this particular topic. What I love, though, is the fact that Amazon is doing this. This is pretty cool, and it's been a very long time coming, but it does leave a few things dangling in the air, like what does that mean, what does it look like, et cetera, which we're going to cover now. So with that, the summary I'm going to let Jack handle that, the summary of what was the Amazon announcement. You can just kind of net it out for everyone in your very soothing, golden radio voice. It's better than mine. I love it. Well, thank you very much, Anthony. Again, this is Jack Gale, one of the members of Sales Team 6. To give you the overarching view of what Amazon announced, they announced that on September 1st of 2020, so this will be just a few days in front of us, they will be exposing seller details for third-party sellers on their U.S. marketplace. So this announcement is specific only to the United States marketplace, not inclusive of all of North America, because they've actually done this in the past on the Mexican marketplace and in other European marketplaces. So this is specific to the United States marketplace, where Amazon has been notorious for putting up that wall and not informing consumers and branded manufacturers who these third-party sellers that are advertising their products actually are. But that will finally change on September 1st of this year, 2020. Which we hope. And the good news is it's definitely going to change. We'll see if Amazon makes the deadline. And I'm not saying that they're not going to make the deadline, but things happen. They're a very large organization and things can get reprioritized at any time. That being said, here is the first question. I'm going to read it. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what strategies you can all take around this particular question. The first question is, what information will Amazon be exposing about these sellers? And the first thing is, 
and I'll, re- I'll kind of go over the high-level view, and then we can have a discussion about what that means. Um, they will be sharing contact details self-reported by the seller. The big takeaway here is self-reported. Number two is this includes a combination of the following. Name of the registrant, the individual or the business, the LLC, the corporation, etc. Physical address that they're reporting, so I'm assuming. But do not expect actionable details like phone numbers or email addresses to be visible. We could be surprised. I don't think we're going to be surprised. So I'm going to maybe open this up to a discussion. I think that they're not going to be able to verify some of this data. So I think it's going to be important for people to be able to do that. And we can help them with that. Yeah. Well, the most important point, you already called it out well, Anthony. But the fact that it's self-reported by the seller should immediately bring into question the validity of the data. If I'm a third-party seller selling out of my basement and I want to sell great brands products, the Sonys of the world, uh, any high-end brand that people like and aspire to have their products, if I'm going to do so in a way that that brand might not agree with, either with my pricing behavior or with the bad marketing copy that I utilize, I don't want to give them a direct means to call me up and tell me they want me in court. I'm going to give them the address of the UPS store that I ship my products from or from a P.O. box that I check once a year so I can keep a nice collection of cease and desist letters on my mantle because I'm so proud (laughs) of evading all of these brands. So the data is coming from the seller. So some of them might be forthcoming, might share legitimate details. Others, if they played this game for a while and they would prefer not to be bothered by playing by the rules, they're not going to give you much to work with. You will still need a way to double check or cross-reference, cross-pollinate, verify that data. So, and again, these podcasts aren't meant to be sales pitches. However, we do have in Prowl a source of the truth, if you will, that you could use to cross-reference or verify this data that will be opened up publicly. So what we're going to be doing on our side of the fence is downloading this data and storing it so that we will have access to the information that's been collected. What's nice is the way that our structured database will work is you will be able to tell which data is pulled down from Amazon and which data isn't so that you can cross-reference. And don't be surprised if it's very different than what we already know. And that's the nice part. You do need a way to continue to triangulate who these sellers are. So don't just think that this move by Amazon is the end-all be-all solution that everyone's hoping for because it won't be. But it's good. It's really good that they're doing it. But I do think that there's always going to be workarounds. I think there's going to be a lot of one, two, three Main Street phone numbers going to be five, 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 one, two, one, two kind of stuff. Uh, a lot of that, you know, or what is it? Eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, nine. Jenny, don't call my name. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of that stuff, which all good. I mean, but the good news is as long as you're prepared for that and don't think that when you come to work on Monday and this database is accessible, say on the second, all your problems are not going to be solved. You're just going to have some different strategies or workarounds that you're going to have to manage and get through. If you don't have problems, which I hope someday that you do, but if you don't, you have to keep that in mind. You're still going to have to control versions of the truth out there so that you can triangulate this information to be effective. And then question two, will Amazon be verifying the information that they expose? And we kind of touched on this a little bit. I'm going to let Jack talk through this, but keep in mind, this is self-reported data by the seller. And I'm going to give Jack a nice lead in here that Amazon gets, if I remember, about 5,000 new sellers a day to the Amazon 3P marketplace. So imagine how much verifying that is. I can't even count to 5,000 without having to take a break. So imagine if you've got to do all the work to verify the data. 
my goodness. We have not had this confirmed by our friends at Amazon, but we strongly believe that this information will not be verified in any way, shape, or form. We think that they will simply lift the veil on the information shared with them when a seller registers. Because, like Anthony said, the U.S. marketplace alone has 5,000 new sellers a day. It would take an immense amount of effort and human workforce on the Amazon side to go out and legitimize this information and do the cross-referencing necessary to make it actionable. So, no, we strongly believe this will not be verified by Amazon. That will be your job as the brand attempting to control your image on Amazon or as the consumer trying to make sure you make a legitimate purchase from an authorized seller. First of all, I love Amazon. I'm a prime member. I've been one for years and I do the majority of my shopping on Amazon. I mean, across the board, I've got some other retailers that I love too, but what I'm saying is everyone blames Amazon and points the finger at Amazon. It's not, none of this is Amazon's problem, nor is, is it their fault. They're, they're a marketplace. They unfortunately expose weaknesses in retail or online retail strategies or supply chains. So unfortunately, whether you like it or not, it, Amazon's the best litmus test. Everyone likes to point the finger at Amazon and blame them for, and none of this, by the way, the number of 3P sellers, the unknown sellers, none of that's Amazon's problem. What's happening on Amazon is it's really a wonderful litmus test for anyone listening to see or identify kinks in the armor, as Jack said, around e-commerce supply chain weaknesses or breaks in the chain or relationships with distributors. Because what it does is it, it shows you that people are getting a hold of your product. You have to figure out where and how. Nice thing is it, all that information is now available on Amazon, even before, by the way, the, expose, the exposure of the 3P sellers. So Amazon is not to blame. They are your friend. They, everyone sells a ton of product through Amazon. So embrace the channel, love Amazon as you should, but be mindful. You have to have a strategy to be successful there. Nice thing is, again, just to reiterate, none of this is Amazon's fault. I mean, if you have challenges at Amazon with unknown or rogue sellers, you have to, you have to deal with that. And they're doing you a favor by exposing this data, but it's not going to be the end all be all solution. Moving on from that, you're still going to, so let me just read a few of the pinpointed answers here. Um, Amazon has not stated whether or not they're going to verify. The answer is no, they will not. History of seller information exposure on European or Amazon, Mexico, rather, marketplaces leads us to believe the answer is no, and they will merely expose the information, which is still a huge step in the right direction. What ultimately happens is I think you'll get like your professional three-piece sellers that can stay hidden, and then the people that aren't what I'll call term or term professional sellers, they're not going to be as hidden. So there's some give and take here. But then moving on, question number three, I'll read it and then I'll maybe we'll you know have a little round table about that. But what will happen if the seller has multiple DBAs or aliases on the web? Jack Daddy. Well, in this case, you're only gonna know the one or two that they choose to self-report. So I say two potentially, because the name that they operate under, the seller name on Amazon, will likely differ from the business name that they report to Amazon. You'll see a lot of a, a funky looking alias for the storefront might involve some numbers and some symbols. And then their business will be Jack Gale LLC. So you might get a little bit more insight as to the true business name, not just their fancy alias that they'll use. And keep in mind, most of these sellers, if they're not very reputable, they'll change their Amazon alias like the rest of us change clothes. They'll change it a couple times a month, multiple times a year 
They'll try to be someone new every week. It will give you insight to at least one, maybe two alias of these various sellers. One is just going to be their Amazon alias, only what all of us can see on their storefront. The other will be the business name that they reported to Amazon when they signed up. The unfortunate reality is if they sell on other marketplaces or operate their own dot-com websites under different names, you are able to make zero connections to those other web properties that they run through this singular information from Amazon. That is something you're left to do on your own. You can still utilize the information that you get to help connect the dots, just to kind of put a finer point in this, using things like state business registrations, better business bureau searches can all be helpful here. And this is also where you can, if you don't have access to a database like Prowl can provide, you can still run strategy through spreadsheets. It's a ton of manual effort. So you have to kind of reduce and focus on the right problem areas. What you want to reduce this down to is your most problematic seller or sellers, and then spend the effort there uh, because it'd be better served. And then let some of the other problems, I'm not going to say naturally fall away because that's not really a good strategy. Like hope isn't a good strategy. But what I'm saying is focus on the biggest problem areas first. And you know who those sellers are, who's being problematic, who has the most inventory, who people are matching, those kinds of things. And you can start there. But start at your biggest pain points first. At the very top of the tip of the spear, I think is the best way to go as opposed to dealing with the lower tier problems first. So the high the, the, the high tier problems first, the tip of the spear, identify that, run strategy to figure out and cross-reference against different business registrations, better business bureau profiles, Google searches, lots of other things. We do have excellent episode about doing your own investigations with the 10-step investigation cheat sheet, which will come in very handy after you listen to this, this episode, because I think that cross-reference strategy still applies. In fact, the only difference is now you've got a little bit more information that you've been able to collect from Amazon, which is a huge deal. Now, that being said, what moving forward here, what most people really want to know is how this new information impacts and supports their efforts to address unauthorized 3P sellers on Amazon. That kind of remains to be seen. So what I'm saying is the difference is going to be different for each brand and some of your what I'll call further upstream or downstream e-commerce strategies. Do you have certain things in place, authorized reseller agreements, material difference clauses, all kinds of different things that you will need to employ. So the tool bag is filled with tools and you got to figure out, do you have the right tool in place? If you don't, you need to get that tool. If you do, then the collection or the use of those tools might be a little different. I realize that sounds like a bunch of sales hoo-ha, but what I'm saying is it, it can have a real impact if you're strategic about it and you put forth the effort, but it's not going to be a solution in and of itself. You're going to have to take steps to help clean up unknown or unauthorized sellers on the channel. And there's things that you can do to be effective and really good at that. So that particular question, we're asking you if you have specific questions about that tied to your brand, it would be best to email us at mapminute at pricespider.com because we would need to ask you some questions first to be able to provide specific answers to that question tied to your brand and what you have in your bag of tricks around that problem. Right, Jack? I mean, I wouldn't, I don't feel comfortable just generalizing an answer for that because it, it really needs to be brand specific. That's exactly right. Yeah. You can't make a blanket statement here. The only blanket statement that can be made is if right now you truly had no idea who the third party sellers of your products on Amazon actually were, now you're at square one. Now you can start. 
And even a fun little exercise that can be revelatory is take some of these sellers' addresses, plug them into Google Maps and see if it's someone's private residence, a home, or see if it's a legitimate business in a business park somewhere and start there. And then Anthony alluded to it already, but you can use state business registrations, Better Business Bureau, deeper Google searches, even use Facebook and LinkedIn to figure out how legitimate these sellers actually are, whether or not there's someone like Romina and I and Anthony selling out of our house or a legitimate business who moves significant product. This allows you to start that process. But if you don't have the foundational elements in place to actually go out and address these less desirable sellers, you're no further. You have some new knowledge, but that knowledge is not actionable yet. Then moving on to question four, we're only going to do four questions because we want to make this a commute time listen for all of those out there in Price Fighter e-commerce connected land. And the question is, how does this announcement impact the brand's management of sales and pricing policies, particular to 3P sellers? And the answer is, we don't really know just yet. It's going to depend and be very brand specific again. And this might require a little bit of a deeper dive. But the good news is it gives you, like Jack said, you're at least in the batter's box here. You can start the process collecting data about your most problematic sellers and then figure out where those sellers are in your supply chain. Are they getting getting your product? Where are they getting your product? You can start to kind of backtrack and figure out or at least fill in some gaps in your line of knowledge which is super helpful. And then you can use other resources like relationships with your distributors, product buys and other strategies to identify who they are. And then you have to be specific in solving the problem. There is no one size fits all solution, but as expected, the answer really is going to rely on, do you have the right authorized reseller agreements in place? Do you have the right pricing policies in place in whatever flavor of pricing policy that's best for your brand? So that remains to be seen. What's the key takeaway for question number four? You have a starting point again, but you need to supplement it with the right strategies internally to do anything with the new knowledge that you have. So it is up to you, the brand, to weaponize this information. Otherwise, it's just some information not certain of the validity of it, what it will actually be. You'll have to go out, conduct your own investigative efforts to make this data worthwhile to you and to make it actionable. This is a really good opportunity for any brands listening to create your own workflows around the investigation process before you start spending money on outside services uh, or hiring people or anything else. Take a crack at what is out there. If you don't have access to our database, Prowl, then you can create, like we said before, you can weaponize this via spreadsheets, collect your, you know, the list of sellers that have been uncovered or identified selling your products, figure out if you don't, if it's not clear who they are in Amazon's 3P seller database exposure, start taking that data down and then doing a little bit of deeper dive investigations with that 10 step checklist that we've talked about in a previous episode of the Price Spider e-commerce connected podcast. But the nice thing is work through the workflow yourself, practice, get good at this. And then there's going to be some sticky moments where you can't get through. You don't have the time or the resources or the know-how. So what you'll do is have the ability then to be focused in conversations when you're hiring out experts to do the work. That's a big deal because it will reduce the amount of time, energy, and most importantly, money spent on the project. So if you just turn over a list of 50 sellers to an investigations team, they probably have the ability to find 
30 of them with a very quick one or two searches through ways that we've talked about in the top 10 list of tips. And then you you just reduce that list of 50 down to 20. And now that 20 might take two searches or three searches. Now you reduce that list down to 10. So now you've reduced it by going through the workflow yourself to a manageable 10. Now you have a list of 10 to turn over that you can't figure out on your own. Do your best efforts using the strategies that we offer on the rip sheet, then the downloadable kind of tip sheet here. But the nice thing is now you have a focus point. You've reduced this list down to 10 needed issues that need to be solved. And that's a big deal. The workflows are a big deal. And then you'll start to realize you have to stay on it. You can never take your eye off the ball in this regard. It doesn't just go away because on September 15th, you now have a list of 10 sellers that you really need to figure out. You're always going to have to look. You're always going to have to do recurring investigations to stay up on what is new and exposed. So unfortunately, the good news is it's out there and there are strategies that we can help you with. The bad news is it's going to be a never-ending project, but it doesn't have to suck. As always, we always talk about this within our team. It's a war of attrition because if Amazon continues to add 5,000 plus new sellers every single day, you're never going to be able to whittle that list all the way down over and over and continue to work it down. You need to start filling those holes in your supply chain, understanding how these undesirable, unauthorized sellers are even getting your products, and then you can start to make meaningful progress in the right direction. But if you don't take a look in the mirror and better understand how your products are getting to these sellers, this additional information means precious little to you. Although you can give yourself a pat on the back and say, I figured out how Anthony ships my products now to Amazon. But that doesn't mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things. We do have some additional questions that we'll be covering in a round two of this topic. And some of the questions that we'll get to in another segment are how do we ensure our three-piece sellers do not commingle inventory and some controls around commingling the inventory and legal actions and things that you can take, which you're going to have some guest experts come on and specifically talk about strategies to deal with those issues. Not that we're not qualified, but we think you know it's always good to have different voices and opinions on the show. So with that, we are going to let you get back to work, grab your coffees, Get off your bus, get, you know, whatever it is you need to do as you're listening. But thank you for listening to the Price Fighter e-commerce connected podcast with Jack Gale, Romina, and me, Anthony Capazzoli.